Eve's, I mean, every week we're just so grateful for Eve. It's like she can communicate in kid ease in a way few people can, but then it's so funny because in our staff meetings, she's like one of the most erudite speakers on staff, so it's, it's just, you know, speaking in tongues of some sort. Um, I don't know, am I good on the camera here? Sometimes I get out of frame and I wanna welcome, I was just on the Facebook feed with our, uh, our virtual parishioners and actually have some friends uh, on the West Coast that tune in as well later on. They, they didn't know that you could replay the Facebook stream for a while and they were saying we would get up early in the morning to watch it, but then we realized we could do it. I said, but you get to chat in the morning. But, uh, so, hi Bob and Mimi. Um, and uh, we've been doing a series on the, um, actually on the uh, genealogy of Jesus, which sounds like a conference on curing insomnia. You know, begat, begat, so-and-so, begat, so-and-so. What we've been doing is trying to give ourselves an experience of what the first hearers of this genealogy would have experienced. And what they would have experienced is every name that was mentioned, you would have stories that go on it. Like, so, if I would mention, like, Weird Uncle Ted, and if Weird Uncle Ted is your uncle, you're gonna m start thinking about stories as to why he was called Weird Uncle Ted, right? So when you, uh, certain names evoke certain feelings, thoughts, and stories. And when a genealogy was told, it was, you took like maybe 100 generations and would tell 20 of them because father and forefather and foreforefather are kind of interchangeable. So people have tried to figure out exact dates with genealogies and it doesn't work with ancient Near Eastern genealogy because they're greatest hits compilations. They're not entire discographies. Well, we're up to David now and we've been trying to just give a very brief overview in his life. And Adrian talked about David kind of as a shepherd and briefly into David as outlaw. Today we're talking about David as outlaw. And then a week or two uh, following, we're gonna talk about David as king. But uh, it's interesting, uh, I think David's, the best of David that we saw often came out when David didn't have power. When David was a shepherd boy, we saw one of the purest hearts you could imagine. And one of the most, I mean, you would just be so proud to call that little guy your son. And then with David as an outlaw, we see virtue, 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 some troubling things. When David becomes king, uh, there's certain things that happen that we kind of skate past a little bit or minimize that were horrifying. I think the idea that David was able to serve and be a servant and reflect God in such a deep way, yet when he became the most powerful person in the nation, it wasn't that great. And there's this idea that, you know, if you read the whole Old Testament, the idea of kings is not a good idea because kings are like Pharaoh, a representative of God on earth. Like Pharaoh was worshiped. You know, kings are, that's why they have palaces because palaces are temples, kind of the same thing. And God's not about worshiping people. He's about worshiping God and loving people. So the king deal doesn't work that well. But with the verse I wanted to share today that Adrian touched on, it so much reminds me of our David. Our David Clifton, who went to be with Jesus uh, all too soon. 
uh, this week. Um, and uh, we got a picture of David up there. A lot of you, may, maybe you know him but don't know his name because he's the friendly person that would greet you with a smile at the door for the last 10 years of Central Vineyard. And uh, David is one of those guys, if you ever have anxiety, have a conversation with David and somehow you'll end up encouraged. David was a person who emulated the passage I'm going to read today. And I want to then open it up for people to share some reminiscence on David. We don't know when his memorial service is going to be. So this is kind of dress rehearsal. His family isn't here today. I mean, his biological family isn't here today. His uh, Jesus C theological family, or whatever you call it, his, his church family is here. Family. You know, we are a family. Uh, so we want to have a chance to do this. But I want to encourage you guys, when we do announce a memorial service, if you're able to share a story, see if he can make it to that service and be present to his family. You know, the service isn't for David. David's doing really well right now. But we want to see, uh, I don't know, we want to see the encouragement of this service maybe be first fruits of what we can have at the memorial service. So I want to pray and read um, from 1 Samuel chapter 30. Father God, it is an audacious task to pay tribute to any of your image bearers because there's so many facets of your love evidenced in them, God. And David was just the real deal. No artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives, just mainline Jesus. And uh, we want to be more like him, God, in his simplicity and his love, and also in the healing journey he experienced, God. And I pray that through all of us that David invested in, that all those good things would just go viral in this precious gathering of people, this, these glorious image bearers in this room yet at the same time, Island of Misfit Toys. And you're cool with that, God. And I just pray that we could all uh, leave this room a little kinder than we entered it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. So David is on a run, kind of a marauding bunch of people following him. And uh, Saul is after him. It's kind of a game of cat and mouse. David has a couple opportunities to kill Saul, and instead he kind of trolls him a little bit. One time, uh, he, he's hiding out in a cave, and people, I always think, like, if he's hiding out in a cave, you would find him. I mean, old man's cave. How, how well could you hide in old man's cave? Then I actually spent some time hiking in the Judean desert for a couple weeks, and I realized there's what they call Mount, like Mount of Olives, are hills here, not even Mad River Mountain type hills, just hills, but they're pockmarked with millions of caves, and every little valley looks the same in the desert. You can see the city lights of Jerusalem 20 miles away and think, oh, I could walk there, and you realize you're walking up millions of hills, and they all look the same. If you don't have a compass or know how to read the sun, you're in trouble. Um, I, two of my many near-death experiences happened on this trip. Uh, I'll tell you that sometime if you buy me a Coke Zero with vanilla. I'll share that story with you. Um, but David didn't kill Saul. He, Saul was, uh, you know, doing a number one or number two in a cave. David happened to be hiding in that cave. That's pretty awkward. And 
when it, presumably he had his cloak down there, you know, he probably didn't want to soil his cloak when he was doing whatever ancient Near Eastern people did to go potty. And he cut off the side of his cloak, had like, I got a swatch of this beautiful royal pattern. And then later on, Saul's down there, and David's like, hey, I got part of your boxers here. <laughs> Could have killed you, didn't. Can we be cool? And Saul promises to be cool. David, filled with the Holy Spirit, knows that isn't true, and that happened a couple times. Saul tried to pin him to the wall at one point. But David got involved in other conflicts with other people. And at one point, uh, we get to David, uh, we get chapter 30 in a conflict with the Amalekites. And I want to read uh, from Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase here. 30, uh, 1 through 7. Three days later, David and his men arrived back in Ziklag. Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They tore Ziklag to pieces and then burned it down. They captured all the women, young and old. They didn't kill anyone. They drove them like a herd of cattle. By the time David and his men entered the village, it had been burned to the ground, and their wives, sons, and daughters were all taken prisoner. David and his men burst out in loud wails. They wept and wept, and they were exhausted with weeping. just want to stop there. It's amazing how David led a whole army of super macho people or whatever, led them in being emotionally vulnerable. You know, usually people go to anger and rage before grief. That's just the default. And these guys went to weeping and mourning. And I just think, what would it be like to lead a people like that? Um, now, this is weird. It says, David's two wives, Anoam and Jezreel, and Abigail, Anoam of Jezreel, and Abigail, widow of Nabal of Carmel, had been taken prisoner along with the rest, and suddenly David was in even worse trouble. There was talk among the men bitter over the loss of their families and talk of stoning him. But David strengthened himself with trust in his God. Just a quick little parenthetical remark. You can read this. The Old Testament uh, Hebrew scriptures in the ancient, ancient world mentions uh, uh, plural marriage, polygamy, many times. Now, the Bible, if you read the Old Testament, very, very rarely does it say, and thus, therefore, it was a really bad idea. What it lets is contextually, the story shows it never ends up being a good story. And those of you who have to work really hard on your marriage, like me, know, uh, one person is plenty of work. Two people, I just don't know how. And you even see the point where the people of Israel got to the point where they didn't do that anymore. That was kind of a, as the nation progressive revelation of God and the nation increased to the point where even in the church, they said, hey, you're not going to be able to lead people well and have multiple marriages, which became more the norm now. Maybe it's moving the other way, I don't know. But so this, because the Old Testament mentions something, doesn't mean go and do it even if it doesn't give negative commentary, because the commentary is the context. The commentary is the context. So let's go right here for the, the best bit of the passage. It says, David strengthened himself with trust in his God. God does not invade you with strength. He resources people that welcome his strength. And we, it doesn't say, and here's how David did it. Seven habits of highly affected Davids here. Rather, we have a whole book of Psalms that gives us a picture of David's prayer life. David had violent feelings towards someone. He took it to God, and God had an opportunity to deal with his heart. 
Uh, David, uh, you read the Psalms. The Psalms are R-rated, by the way. You know, you don't just give a kid the, a whole Bible right away. I mean, you read Bible stories to get and spread the oral trend. And you realize, like, when, when David or another psalmist is saying, may the children of my enemies be dashed upon the rocks, it isn't saying, therefore, let's kill the collateral damage is okay in whatever war the United States goes in. It's not saying that. It's saying we can have the most vile thing in our heart, and we bring that vileness to God, not our brother and sisters. And then God, in this intimate relationship with us, transforms our heart to be more like Christ. And Christ, would Christ say something like, may the children of my enemies be dashed upon the rocks? It wouldn't be congruent with, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we are the Jesus people, and we read these stories through the Jesus lens. But what we learn from David, when he was, here's one of his outlaw David on the run in danger psalms. Psalm 63, 1 through 8. We just read a bit of this uh, earlier. You, God, are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and beheld your power and glory, and because your love is better in life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as the by the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, even, I remember you, and I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, and your right hand upholds me. Uh, David, uh, David wasn't married. David, uh, Dave Clifton wasn't married. He wasn't dating anyone. He was a single guy who, for best way to describe it, seems like he was married to the body of Christ in a way, or he was, he was, he was dating Jesus in a way. You know, I'm getting like that. He gave all his passion you know, I'm married, and listen, I have a certain amount of energy I give to, in my marriage and to my wife, and a certain amount of energy I give socially to people, but I definitely, I didn't have as much to give as David Clifton did, and it talks about this in the scriptures. Some people are called to be in that place, and they almost have a superpower of, he gave that love that I would die for my kids' love, that I would die for my spouse' love, and he just kind of parceled it out with everyone he met on Sunday mornings. And that is a role. That is one of the callings within the church. Don't ever let anyone tell you that if you're single, there's something wrong with you. Unless there's something wrong with you. I mean, don't let anyone tell you if there's single, something wrong with you. Listen, there's something wrong with everyone. But you are a whole person. I like, like Andy Anderson, I, when, you, when you were single after a divorce before God blessed you with the most amazing woman in the world, what I really admired about you, Andy, is you were a whole person. You are a whole person wholly engaging the whole kingdom of God. And I just, it's beautiful. So David uh, was obsessed with Jesus. He was obsessed with worshiping. He was always listening to worship, singing worship, occupying his thoughts, and thinking, how can I express God's love to my friends? How can I express God to people who are immigrants or refugees? And he was always on in that respect and mischievous, and just my David memory I want to share really, really quick, is David seemed to know what I needed to hear every Sunday. He'd give me a hug, and he would say something, and also, this sounds funny, but David knew me. He knew that I'm incompetent about certain basic life functions, and that my wife is, and he didn't see it as a character defect, 
if you ever wanted to see something actually get done, goes, you know, I'm just telling you this, Jeff, but you're going to forget it. But I already told your wife, and she's, she's, she's smarter than you, and she's going to get that done. And I love you. I don't judge you for it. But I just want to encourage you now that we're doing this. I was like, I am known. I am known. And he doesn't see me as a bad person for having bad memory on certain things and stuff. And it, what a greater gift is that. And then he would pray for me every Sunday. Um, I want to open the mic up for some people to share some David stories. And what I want to ask, my prayer is, Lord Jesus, let us not have a singular David-shaped void at Central Vineyard. Rather, let's let us as a whole occupy the vocation that he demonstrated so beautifully. And guys, David's really good right now. He's doing really well. And uh, it's just uh, his family. Lord bless his family. And Lord bless us. So who would like to go first? Okay. Brevity, Kelly. Kelly's a preacher, so she might be here for 40 minutes. Um, Kelly's making it down here. And if we could have maybe some people that want to share a lineup on the stage so we can kind of eyeball this. Kelly's been running projection for us today. I'm so happy. No, uh, tell whatever you want, just briefly. I'm not going to coerce you. Okay. I mean, David was great. I mean, he, he was always happy and stuff like that. And he always loved my hugs. Like when, when Mother's Day three years ago, usually somebody here would take me over to Laurel's to go visit my mom. But on Mother's Day, David took me because I saw my mom on Easter. And I missed two weeks. And then he took me on Mother's Day. I'm glad he did, because that's when my mom started dying. And I thank him for that. And no, I always loved David. He's always great. And, um, and then when I saw him at Grant on, well, actually, I texted him when he was at Grant on Sunday. He told me he missed my hug today. So I saw him at Grant on Monday. We talked for a long time. Well, I did. I think I did most talking, but, um, and I gave him a hug, and then last Tuesday, when he passed away, I gave him his last hug, and I told him now I can be with his mom and my mom, and he can be with the, in the garden, attend the garden upstairs, won't have to worry about the flowers, because they'll never die, because he loved his flowers, he always put some of his favorite flowers when he did in the garden. At his house. He was always very happy and stuff like that. I like him. But, yeah. Wow. Uh, Kelly is Minister of Hugs. Hi, everyone. Can you see me on the live stream? Okay. I'm going to sit in the center. Here I am. I'm kind of short, so I don't know if they can see me. But, Kelly, that was beautiful. And Kelly was... Um, the person that was with him when he passed. So thank you so much, Kelly. And I know that that was so special for him to have you there. Um, I have two memories. Uh, I have my black Kahawa coffee. I got my coffee in honor of David. Uh, my favorite view of him was I usually do coffee. And 
seeing him walk into the church with his baseball cap and his empty mug of coffee. He always brought a mug from home, so he didn't have to use a plastic one or a paper one, which usually I bring a cup to. I care about sustainability, I promise. Um, but seeing him get his favorite cup of coffee with a smile on his face, just coming in here early, ready to love on whoever was here, was just the best, and that will be very missed. Um, and like a personal memory for me, David was just such a encouraging, loving, happy guy. And every single time I would preach, which I come from a background where I had previously worked at a church and it was a very difficult thing for me. And I preached at my other church, but it's in a way that made me feel very um, incapable I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I would preach, and I wouldn't feel like I was good at teaching. Like, I didn't feel like it was something I was good at, but I had to do. And then I came to CV, and I found a lot of healing here. And now preaching is one of my favorite things because of people like David, who the first time I preached here came up to me with tears in his eyes and told me, it just really seems like you're doing what God has called you to do. And he gave me a hug. And I was like, I don't know you. Why are you crying? You don't know me. And every single time I would preach, he would come up to me with tears in his eyes, give me a big hug, and would always have something encouraging to say. Um, yeah, just love so much how he loved all of you and loved CV. And that's our legacy. David is our legacy. We are his legacy. And we have the opportunity to live into the legacy that David has left us. So it's funny um, seeing this picture of David. Uh, I think this was on Easter because you see he's wearing a collared shirt. But whenever I think of David, I think of uh, the shirt that he was wearing in the last video. Go to If you're not following Central Vineyard on Facebook, you should. And there's this great video for, of him when he was at the hospital, I guess last, yeah, yeah last week. Um, and, you know, he was having tests. And we knew things weren't great, but we had no idea that, that his life was going to be so short after that. But he had this Asia Soap t-shirt. He had actually worn out the first one I gave him years ago. Um, and uh, he really wanted another one that was just like that, but we were out of that one. But we had an Asia Soap one that it was written in Nepali. And for those of you who have been around the church, you know that we support Asia Soap uh, Cambodia ministries and that. But David didn't care uh, that it wasn't in Cambodia. And, and it was so cool to see if you watch that video. Um, where uh, he's going to the hospital, he's wearing this shirt, God provided him with a Nepali nurse uh, who uh, he was able to talk with her just about, and, and so he spent this video that was supposed to be about him giving an update, how am I doing, what's my health, the 40, the first 50% of the video was just him talking about Asia's Hope, and, 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 and he, in his own, you know, very simple, direct way, really correctly, <laughs> you know, uh, articulated what it is you know we're doing in that and 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 that's and that's the thing uh, that I always think about David I always think of him with uh, that with that t-shirt um, and I, I remember you know David was very gentle he wasn't a pushover uh, by the way those of you who know him well um, you know I'm sure Brian knows that David wasn't a pushover you know um, he, he's, he's very, you know, he could be very soft-spoken, but he was also very persistent. He knew what he believed in. He knew what was right, and he would push back on it. And, um, you know, so uh, spending time here to honor David, I hope we get a chance at a memorial sometime soon to honor him. But, you know, I think one of the reasons why David thrived so much in this 
environment is, um, I, I want to think about how to say this. You know, I'm an extrovert. I'm in front of people all the time and that, and so uh, churches tend to put people like me up on the stage all the time, you know. Uh, churches don't tend to put people like David up to uh, do announcements, to do communion, to be a face of the community. Uh, but, you know, David came here and he was really valued, um, even though he didn't have the type of extroversion charisma that, you know, people look for. You know, he was, you know, he was really Central Vineyard. And I, and I really like what De Jeff said. I do feel, my first thought was, man, you know, things won't feel the same without David here. That was my first thought. Uh, but, but, you know, um, I really uh, also like what Jeff was saying in that, you know, we now have an opportunity. You know, when, we, when we're here and we come on a Sunday morning and we see that there's somebody who's not being encouraged, somebody who's not being welcomed, you know, really understanding that this is our vocation. Uh, so many of us were fir either first welcomed by David or were disarmed by him or were encouraged by seeing somebody with David's personality, uh, you know, being elevated in this community. So, um, and if that's the one thing that I think that, that, you know, David, David understood everybody gets to play. He really took that. When we say that in the church or in Vineyard Church, sometimes it just rolls over and we go, yeah, everyone gets to play if they're a certain type. Uh, but David heard that. He's like, yeah, great. This is for me. And he jumped in. Um, so I, 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 I'll find a picture sometime of David in his uh, Age of Soap t-shirt. But go watch that video. I promise you uh, it's, it, that's going to be my last and lasting memory of him. So um, praise God for David. Hope you're having a great day. Um. Yeah, I think that amongst the first, uh, well, not the first memories, but some of the memories that I have from him were uh, from last year when we were all hanging out outside at, uh, under the tent. I'm sure everybody remembers that fondly, especially when it was cold and rainy. Anyway, uh, I loved seeing uh, him and June and all sorts of people praying right before the service. But I always remember him specifically because <laughs> he would always just, we would start praying and I would sometimes close my eyes and open them and he was already there with his coffee. Um, that, I, that memory I, I really, I really appreciate. And also what I talked about earlier, uh, him walking in and following him was Sai and, and Gumer and Brian. And it was like on a Sunday basis that, <laughs> that we would see that and um, in, in such a cool way to see him not having a family of his own children that he raised or uh, coming in with his own family, but still knowing that he was coming into his home, into his family. Um, I, really, I really loved that. And uh, I, I had privilege to be at his house this past week, hanging out with Brian and... Um, one thing that he told me that was that uh, he loved so much his garden that uh, every time he went to a, a nursery, uh, he would always get new plants, even though they had no space for he had no space for them, and he would always uh, say, "Oh, we'll we'll make room for it," um, and I think that just like summarizes who David was as a human being, just making room for more life <laughs> in his heart. So. Yeah.
that's that's my two cents. <laughs> From the moment I met Dave, um, I know God settled part of my life. Um, we were apart for quite a while, but God steered us back. Anything I want to say is I want to thank them for that. I am eternally grateful that Dave was able to lead me down a path that I never knew existed. So for that, I want you so much. I think that Brian just summed up um, David's gift, right? David overcame a lot in his life, so many struggles that most of us aren't even aware of. Um, but his heart was filled with Jesus. And um, David was the first friend that I made here at Central Vineyard. I came here as, as Brian. I was broken and hurting. And um, I met, I met um, David at uh, Katie and Daniel's home group, which I felt uh, my son-in-law and daughter, right? And I felt awkward about going to the same church and be, you know, I mean, it was just, we hadn't lived in the same cities for most of our lives, especially their adult lives. So it was, it was a challenge for me. But um, they were gracious and... Um, I enjoyed Central Vineyard. I went to home group and, and met David, and we became friends. And um, didn't hang out, didn't date, didn't, but we were friends, loving friends. And um, neither of us were extroverts, but we did the connect table together. And, and that was by choice that this is a way that we can serve. So he encouraged me um, to, to reach out. So that was, that was very special. I also, I told John earlier that I was wonderful and he shared that he was sad. And, and I wanna share, like, as we've all had loss and sadness, like, I know without a doubt that David is ecstatic because he shared with me um, in some of our very brief discussions about his um, unwavering belief 
of where he would be were he to pass, and this had nothing to do with being sick or any nothing, just that I know where I'm going, and I hope I get to stay here a long time, but if I don't, I know where I'm going, and I love the Lord. That's all I wanted to share. My, um, my favorite memory of David was um, being a Facebook friend, can you believe that, and his pictures of his flowers in his garden and how much he loved that. And it just, like we met heart to heart on that. Um, and then when we were meeting outside a year, year and a half, or whenever that was, we would talk about how to weed the garden out there. <laughs> and, oh, we could come back and do this. We never did, but we talked about weeding, which is another thing, heart to heart, you know? And um, that's all I have to say. Um, I only knew David for a short period of time. Um, when I was going through a hard part of my life, um, last winter when it was really cold and like 20, the wind chill was like 20 below, he was like the first person to show up and help me move. Wow. So that's what Jesus does in a life. I mean, you, you become like Jesus by just one act of obedience after another, you know, just what now, Jesus? And we become more loving that way. And uh, just when Dave, David, the last time we hung out was at the hospital, the first hospital visit. Which hospital was that, Kelly? Grant. I get them all mixed up, kind of. We were at Grant, and it was, if you ever go to the hospital, you know, nurses and RNs, LPNs, and caregivers are so overworked, right? They're so overworked. And, but I go to David's room and everyone's visiting twice as much as they even have to. Because what we quickly discerned is David was a refueling station emotionally for all the people working on the floor where people are in really bad shape. And David just prayed for people. And this Nepali woman, part of the story is like, she had a baby, and I don't know, it seems like the baby hadn't been kicking much or stuff like that, because we offered to pray for her baby. And she was like, yes, because uh, uh, David had been sharing with her a lot about Jesus, and we prayed. As we prayed, the baby started kicking, and she was astonished. She's like, well, and, we, and I didn't know, I thought babies kick all the, you know, I don't know. Our, our kids were always kicking. They were like doing Taibo or whatever in Ad inside Adrian. But she, and then we told her about John the Baptist, how God was already active in him uh, when he was in the womb, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and we, we believe God can begin intervening and caring for your child right now. And that was just David. David just was like, uh, if you know Brother Andrew in the Bible, like St. Andrew, would basically just introduce people to people they need to know so their lives could flourish. And he was, he was just, I know someone, and that was David.
So I want to, if we could stand, and I'd like to begin to close in worship. As I was looking here, I felt really encouraged because I was just looking at different people, specifically seeing like, man, I totally see you being like occupying a similar role uh, to uh, David. Uh, specifically, oh, I, I normally don't put people on the spot, but I can be, Don, I totally saw like the vibe of David on you, like seeing like that God would use you to welcome people like he was used to welcome people. It's just your unconditional love and kindness that you have. I mean, you're one of those people that encourages me every morning I'm here. I said, wow, God's already started preparing like people to carry on his work. So we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And um, this was a remix of Passover, you know, the freedom meal of Israel. But what happened was this. Uh, Jesus was hosting the meal at someone else's house but he was kind of the, the leading this ceremony. He took the bread and he did something strange. He broke it, which you do in Passover, but then he said, this broken bread is my body, which is for you. And Passover, Passover was a feast that like really, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Passover was a feast that uh, celebrated God's victory over enemies in a physical and visceral way. Yet communion, the Lord's Supper, was a feast where Jesus was the only one who received pain and violence, and he did it rather than enact violence so he could bring forgiveness for all sins to people that call on his name. So this is the bread we eat. We want to become what we eat. We want to become like Jesus. Same way after supper, he took the cup, saying this cup is new covenant, new paradigm, new operating system, if you will. This is the new reality you've entered into. But my blood is what's paying the price for that. Every time you drink this, remember what I've done for you. And we're committed to doing this because we want to become what we eat. We want to become Jesus and be able to just carry his aroma of love. So I uh, bless you, Central Vineyard. If you want to put your hands out, I want to pray a blessing. That you would all receive the vigorous compassion, the preemptive love, the forgive them, they know not what they do attitude as you seek to live the gospel day by day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's worship.